Hello, everybody. Thank you for sticking around. I'm so glad to see you around. And today is a very important day. All over the world, the Church of Jesus Christ is celebrating the day what we call the Pentecost Sunday. And many people don't understand the word Pentecost Sunday. And there's a lot of misunderstanding around it. But you know, for, for those of us who are being filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the fullness of God, walking in the full power of God, we understand that day is actually very, very significant. It is that day, 2,000 years ago, after Jesus ascended from, to heaven, that the Holy Spirit, which is the promise of the Father came and filled the believers and empowered them to do amazing things. I'm going to show you some examples of what the Holy Spirit can do in the lives of believers who receive the infilling or the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so, but, that, uh, but there is, like I say, a lot of confusions about this Pentecost today because there's a lot of confusion about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit and that this is, that is the Pentecost experience is actually a subsequent experience from the time when you were born again. You see, a lot of people think that being born again is when the Holy Spirit come and fill and empower you. That cannot be further from the truth because being born again is just one experience of being regenerated in the Spirit, but being filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost as in the days of Acts is actually a subsequent experience. And I'm going to explain to you that later on and what it means to be born again and what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But let me say this to you you is that Pentecost is not about speaking in tongues. That could be, you know, a lot of people fight about the, 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 the teaching about being filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, um, and they, they say that, you know, they're debating about tongues, speaking in tongues, and so forth. I want to tell you this, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not about speaking in tongues. Yes, speaking in tongues is a vital part of it. It is the evidence of one being filled with the Holy Spirit, not, being, not, not the one being regenerated with the Holy Spirit, but the one being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show you in the scripture what it means to have this, what we call the subsequent experience. In other words, experience after you're being born again. And so, you know, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit is so much more powerful than just speaking in tongues, because speaking in tongues is just the initial evidence. And yes, there's a gift of praying in tongues, because that is a gift, the prayer gift, and also a gift of ministry at, that Paul would explain uh, later on in, into the church in Corinth and so forth. But today I want to share with you and I want to clarify to the people in our church and whoever is watching what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit like the disciples experienced on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. Now let me talk to you about the subsequent experience. Now when the disciples were hanging around with Jesus when he was alive before he was crucified, the disciples was not what we call being born again. They had not been born again yet because the blood of Jesus had not been shed and so the atonement, the work of atonement, permanent atonement had not done yet but you know they were being taught, they were listening and they saw Jesus did amazing miraculous things and Jesus empowered them uh, a little bit to do uh, work specifically on two, twi uh, two times you know and so, the, so their, their exposure to the things of the spirit was very limited and yet Jesus was teaching uh, you know Nicodemus and his disciple how it is that they ought to be born 
born again. And after he rose from the dead, if you recall, in John chapter 20, verse 22, uh, all the disciples were very afraid, hiding in one room, you know, worried about persecution, really don't know what to do with their lives, you know, because now the Savior and the Master that they had followed for three and a half years, now he disappeared, he died, and, and they're not too sure what's going on. And then Jesus showed up in the room supernaturally, and then he said, peace be unto you. And after he showed up, he talked to them. One of the things he did was very powerful and significant. It is to give them the experience of being born again. Well, how did he do that? Well, John chapter 2, verse 22, the Bible tells us that Jesus basically breathed to his disciples, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. That was the time when they experienced of what we call being born again, be gen- regenerated. How does it happen? Is that when the Spirit of God, the Bible says, is joined with your spirit or fills with your spirit, now you are born again. Your spirit man become resurrected because the Spirit of God now joined with your spirit and now you have a direct connection to the Heavenly Father because now the Spirit of God is living in you. Now, if that was enough, if that was what other people have been confused about, being filled with the Holy Spirit, if that's all it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, why then in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, on his way to being descended to heaven, he was telling his disciples, that the ones that he just breathed his Holy Spirit to, the one that he just said received the Holy Spirit, the one that just got his Holy Spirit, he told them this, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere until you receive the promises of the Father and being filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, wait a second here. I thought... He just gave them the Holy Spirit. What is he talking about? Why is he still asking the disciples to wait in Jerusalem and don't do anything until they receive the promise of the Father and being filled with the Holy Spirit? Here's the key, friends, is that being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a born-again experience. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is an empowerment process. I'm going to say it again. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is an empowerment process. I'm going to show you the power of the Holy Spirit or like the title said, the Holy Spirit power, I'm going to show you what it does. You know, being that, that's a huge difference being just being born again and then being filled or being empowered with the Holy Spirit because after the disciples were being empowered by the Holy Spirit, they look like different people. They act differently. They have different abilities. They have, they, they're just a completely different individuals. I'm going to show you that. And so, you know, that's the difference being born again With the Holy Spirit living inside you, you welcome the Holy Spirit inside you, and then being filled with the same, with the the Holy Spirit that is being empowered by the Holy Spirit. One say, you know, one would probably ask, why is it that God wants to use two processes to cause us to be empowered? Well, you probably understand it a little bit more as I go along with the scriptures and teach about how it is that you can receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But needless to say, uh, at the end of the day, we really can't answer all the questions. There is no full answer to this. 
because it is the will of the Father. I could think of one reason is that perhaps God is looking for those who had a greater hunger and greater desire to do what he wants them to do to fulfill his will, then he will fill them with the Holy Spirit. And for the rest of us, you know, not the, for the rest of Christians who, who are not being filled with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean that they're not born again, they're not saved. They are saved and they're on their way to heaven. They are brothers and they're all good because we are saved by grace through faith and through that process you are born again. So now I want to show you what it is that the Holy Spirit can do, the type of impact the Holy Spirit can have over your life. Yes, you, uh, those who are watching, you know that you can have the amazing experience of the impact of the Holy Spirit when His empowerment process takes place in your life. Now, I want to show you a, quite a few examples of the apostles or the disciples of Jesus that were with Jesus before they were filled with the Holy Spirit and that what happened to them after they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, the first example is this, is that if you can recall, the apostles themselves, with the exception of two times when Jesus gave them specific instruction to go and heal people, they couldn't do it themselves. When people would come to them and say, hey, can you help my children, help, help us to get healed? They couldn't do anything. Remember the time uh, in, uh, in Luke chapter 9, verse 37, verse 40, is that there was this man, he came, he had his son with epilepsy, you know. They came to the, the disciples or the apostles and ask them to help him out and to heal his son. And the Bible said they couldn't do a thing. And then Jesus had to rebuke them and say, you are little faith. You know, this generation is cursed because they're of little faith. And But the disciples, they tried their best. They couldn't do it. And after, after, after everybody had gone, they would come to Jesus quietly and ask, why couldn't we do it? So they couldn't really heal people uh, all the time. And what happened is after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, after the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and the apostles, disciples, they all became quite differently. They became very powerful people. In Acts chapter 5 verse 12, we are told that these apostles, they performed so many miracles from 12 to 15 that they, they're doing it regularly. People were just, just looking at what they were doing. It's amazing. They were performing miracles regularly. They couldn't have done that without the Holy Spirit. In fact, in, fact, in chapter 5 verse 12, we are told that even the shadow of Peter would be able to heal people. Wow, that's powerful stuff, my friends, you know. And Peter's shadows couldn't do anything except to scare himself, you know, in the past. But now he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, the power of God just transformed these vessels into a dynamite, you know, a powerful vessel of God. And to be able to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to bring people to the Lord. Another example would be, you know, before they were being filled with the Holy Spirit, these disciples they were very scared. They were always very afraid. That's why they denied Jesus. They headed for the hills, you know, when Jesus was being betrayed, you know, they would be making all kinds of promises and saying, oh, Jesus, we're going to die for you. As soon as Jesus was, uh, Jesus was arrested, everybody took off, and, 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 and with the exception of John the Beloved, everybody took off, and even Peter, he denied Jesus three times, you know, and they were scared, they were afraid, and after Jesus was, was crucified and buried before his resurrection, they were all hiding and very, very afraid. Now, these very same people, after the experience of Pentecost, would change completely. The Bible says that they will preach after the Pentecost. They were preaching and healing people in Acts chapter 4, you know. And then they were arrested for, do, for preaching about Jesus, and they were whipped. 
and you will think that they will be so scared and run home to mommy or run home and not do this anymore. But in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, they were actually praying to God for more. For more. These are the same people that were very scared before, and now they're praying for more. They're praying that God to enable them to have more bonus, to continue to preach this gospel, and then they count it a, 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 a reward. They count it a joy to be able to suffer for Jesus. What happened? Where did this bonus come from? What's this changes? Well, friends, it's the impact of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that God wants to do the same thing with you and I? He wants to Feel you and empower you today. That's right. Today, he wants to empower you so that you can also heal the sick because he had commanded us when he commissioned us to go and preach the gospel is that we should lay hands and heal the sick and cast out demons. And that's one of the assignments is to heal the sick. But you can't do it like the disciple couldn't do it until they will feel the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus told them. You wait. Don't go and fulfill the commission just yet. Yes, I gave you the commission, but don't do anything yet. Wait in the Jerusalem until I give you the power of the Holy Spirit, until you empower, then you will be able to preach the gospel effectively and then you will be able to, to, be able to heal people and, and be bold in doing all that you do. Now, let me give you a few more examples of uh, the power and the impact of the Holy Spirit that you too can experience. You know, before then, you know, we all know that they were really uneducated, you know, a bunch of fishermen, and, you know, some of them were a little bit educated, you know, tax collector and all that. But, you know, they're really not, not verse, well-versed in the Word of God. And they don't know what they're talking about. They're very not well-versed in the Word of God. And after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us that, you know, this same people now able to have a conversation, in fact, a debate with the Bible scholars and religious leaders. You know, some of you haven't had much education. You feel like you have been to Bible school. Therefore, you can't serve the Lord. You're not studious in studying the Bible. And therefore, you can't serve the Lord. You feel like you're not qualified. Friends, I want to tell you this. When the Holy Spirit come upon you, he will enable you and give you supernatural wisdom and supernatural words to say. You know, you recall in Luke chapter 12, verse 11 to 12, Jesus already told the disciples this, is that when he gone, he's gone away when the Holy Spirit come, and when they've been brought to the synagogue to be questioned, they should not worry about what they should say. Uh, let's read it together. Ch chapter 12, verse 11 to 12. Jesus said, when you're brought before the synagogues, rulers and authorities do not worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. Verse 12, for at the time, the Holy Spirit will teach you what you should say. And you know, in other translation, it says that God is going to fill your mouth with his words. Do you know, friends, when you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you may not have read the whole Bible, but God is going to give you insight. He's going to give you revelation. In fact, Jesus in John says that in that day when, when, when he had gone to heaven, is that the Holy Spirit will reveal everything to you. In fact, you need not any teacher to teach you everything because the Holy Spirit himself is going to teach you. Do you realize how powerful the Holy Spirit is? He can reveal to you things that people cannot even teach you, and that's the impact of the Holy Spirit on the disciples. Now, let me go to another example. 
You know, before they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were ordinary people following Jesus. You know, just, just no big deal, you know. It's not a threat to anybody. And uh, they were just following Jesus, watching his, his miracles and, and listening to him preach, you know. And people pay no attention to them. But after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what happened? They become leaders of global movement that had become even a threat, if the history is correct, and the history is, they were threats to the emperor himself, the Roman emperor. That's how powerful this motley crew of disciples that nobody paid attention to that Jesus had raised and had given the Holy Spirit to. Do you realize that many of you are probably sitting there in your room and thinking to yourself, do you know I believe God had called me to something much greater? But I just don't know why I'm still kind of working through life like, like a little guinea pigs running through the Ferris wheels, you know, just going nowhere in a hurry. You know you're called for something more significant, and yet you feel like you are stuck. Friends, do you know God can change someone who is uneducated, who, who, who had no authority, no power? He can make that someone to become a global leader of the finest movement of God. You know, we're coming into the place where many people had prophesied that this is the last days that we're going to see an amazing revival, meaning many people will be brought into the kingdom of God. In fact, many had prophesied that a, th- a billion people will be won into the kingdom of God in this revival that is at its cusp, and we are about to see a breakout and in this revival. But it will not happen unless the Holy Spirit is involved. And when the Holy Spirit is involved, he would take even an an educated person, insignificant person. Maybe you don't have any education at all. And he could turn you around and make you an amazing leader for this move of God. Well, so that's another example. Now, let me give you a couple of more examples, and then I'm going to tell you how it is that you can position yourself to receive this power of God. You know, uh, before they were filled with the Holy Spirit, you recall, hardly any of the disciples could say anything that would change anybody. You know, in fact, all they were doing is just debate with one another how great they're going to be and who is the better and this sort of thing. They're very childish. They, they really have zero impact in people's life. Right after, just immediately after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter stood up and he preached. That day, 3,000 people were added into the church. Wow. What an amazing orator. You know, people thought, wow, how could he persuade 3,000 people, you know, coming from all over, the, all over the world, speaking different languages. They are wealthy and influential. And how is this, 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 this disciples that nobody respected, they were fishermen, they were, they were just ordinary people. How is it that they were able to change and transform to be able to speak and immediately change the mind of 3,000 people so that they gave their life to Jesus. Well, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit can do that to you. And today, he's looking for candidates that he can do that too, that you can become an amazing orator for the kingdom of God. I'm going to give you one last example, and then we're going to move on. Is that, you know, before they were filled with the Holy Spirit, these disciples, they were all living in regrets and failures. You know, after Jesus was crucified, many of them probably are very regretful and feeling like a failure because all of them literally headed for the hills with the exception of John the Beloved, and they didn't, they didn't stick around. They didn't, they didn't stay loyal to Jesus 
especially during the harshest time of Jesus. They all left, and they probably felt guilty. They probably felt ashamed, and they probably felt like they had no future. In fact, they'd gone back to, to their own you know, career of fishing and this sort of thing. But you know, the Bible tells us that after they became filled with the Holy Spirit, these are the same people that formed the council of the church, and they become the most powerful, powerful people on planet Earth. They are amazing heroes and generals and champions in the kingdom of God. God wants you to become the amazing heroes, champions, and generals in his kingdom, but that it can only be done with his Holy Spirit. Now, how is it that we can be filled with the same power and be impacted with the same power in the same degree? Well, the good news is that God wants to do the same thing for you today. And that you can position yourself, position yourself to be the candidate to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of people said the infilling of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongue, and as soon as they speak in tongue, they stop. But there's really no evidence of the power of God except just speaking in tongues. If that is the case, if being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues, I would suggest forget it. Don't worry about it. You're going to have it anyways. Why put in the sweat? You know, why being filled with the Holy Spirit? If you just want to speak in tongues, don't, pers- don't, don't, don't pursue the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't pursue tongues. You know, you know I, I just don't understand why tongue has become such a contentious, controversial part of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that among all the churches, that whether they believe in the Holy Spirit, being, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues or not, this is really the most contentious issue, speaking in tongues. They believe every, almost everything the same except the tongue portion. And unfortunately, the devil had so successfully distracted us from what is the most important to one is just a small portion of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, being filled with the Holy Spirit is beyond just speaking in tongues. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is just having an impact that I show you just now. And you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, you will be able to pray in the Spirit. It is a prayer language that God is going to enable you to pray and cause miracles, signs, and wonders. And it's going to edify you. It's going to lift you up, it's going to encourage you, it's going to feel you, it's going to charge you up. But you know, that's just one portion of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The other portion is really to manifest the power of God. Now, how is it that you can position yourself to become candidates to receive this infilling of the Holy Spirit? Some of you have been speaking in tongues, but there's really no power demonstrated in your life. That's not the will of God. And you wonder why. Why is it that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? I even spoke in tongues. It's like my life is no different from the people in the world. I'm going to show you why today. And I pray that by the end of it, we will position ourselves to say, God, I want you to refill me. I want you to fill me again. I want you to empower me. I want you to give me that Pentecost experience again, like in the days of Acts, so that I can be an effective vessel for you. Now, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to know that the Holy Spirit is going to come and fill and change life and impact you for only one purpose. That's it. One purpose. Nothing else. It's only one purpose. He's going to come and fill you for only one reason. You see, the Holy Spirit is is not a power for you to exercise to use. Do you know the Holy Spirit is not your personal genie? 
It is not for you to use so that you can uh, in, enrich yourself, so you can get ahead yourself, so that you can, you know, fulfill your dreams and your plans and your purpose. No, the Holy Spirit is God. He cannot be controlled or be used by anyone. You can't even if you try to. Even if you beg and plead, he will not let you use him. He is God. How could the God of the universe let you use him? Who are you? Who do you think you are that you can use God for your own agenda and your purpose? You can. The Holy Spirit is not your personal genie. In fact, let me go one step further. Listen to me very carefully. Every spirit that you can control at your will is not the Spirit of God. Doing so... It's nothing more than witchcraft. I'm going to say it again. Every spirit that can be controlled by you is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not be controlled by you or anybody. I don't care how anointed those servants of God may be. The Holy Spirit can never be controlled by created beings. The Creator will never be controlled by the created being. Because if that spirit that you say is the Holy Spirit that you can control, then my friends, I'm afraid it is not the Holy Spirit. Because it is you who is supposed to subject to the Holy Spirit, not the Holy Spirit to you. And so if you, are, if you think that you have the Holy Spirit, you can manipulate it uh, uh, with your, uh, uh, to, to fulfill your personal goal, personal success, personal agendas. I want to tell you that spirit is not the Holy Spirit. That's demonic spirit, and you're practicing witchcraft. And yes, God wants you to succeed. God wants you to become successful. To become successful, you don't need the Holy Spirit. You need the Word of God. Just follow His Word, and you will succeed. But if you want the Holy Spirit that I talk about, friends, know this. The Holy Spirit has one and only one purpose. It's for the kingdom of God. It's for the will of God and the purpose of God being fulfilled on this earth. It's for souls to be saved, gospel to be preached. That's it. It's nothing to do with your personal lives. You don't need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. You don't need the Holy Spirit to be successful. To be, like I said, successful, you just follow the word of God. And, 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 you know, to get saved, you don't need to be empowered with this dunamis, this power gift that God has given to his church. That is for the purpose of preaching the gospel and for the kingdom of God and for the expansion of the kingdom of God. In fact, let me say this. Without the power of God, you and I can't do anything. And so I would advise us, like Jesus advised his disciple, wait until you receive the power. Don't try to preach the gospel with your own strength because you're going to fall flat on your face. You're going to try, you're going to try, you're going to try. Do what this church has been teaching. Rest until you hear from heaven. Rest until he fills you with his power, if he infuse you with his dunamis and so that you can have the firepower of God to do amazing things for God. You wait on him, on him until you receive the power. In the meantime, you serve in different capacity, do what you need to do, be humble and do different things. But as far as fulfilling the mission that God has placed in your life, I tell you a lot of young people all alike is that they think that they can do whatever they want, you know, as, as long as they initiate it, God is going to facilitate it. 
in the kingdom of God, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, is that you do not initiate anything. The Holy Spirit does not facilitate what you initiate. You understand that? In the kingdom of God, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit who initiates. It is the Holy Spirit who facilitates. You and I are just simple vessels that He can choose to use or not to use. He is not obligated to use us if he doesn't want to. He is not obligated to move in our timetable, in our agenda. I think, friends, is that there's a confusion in the churches that as long as we speak in tongue, we can actually, you know, basically utilize the Holy Spirit to facilitate our initiative, however noble the initiative is, however great the initiative is. As long as if it is not the Holy Spirit initiated, he will not come and facilitate it. He will not come and help you out. So don't even try. So might as well just wait on the Lord until you hear from God. And when he, you hear from him, friends, I tell you, the work is easy. The work is easy. He's going to lead you to a place where you have labor not, and you'll walk into somebody else's labor and just reap the harvest. That's how easy the Holy Spirit is. You know, disciples, right? They, they have the Holy Spirit power with them. They didn't have to go and fast 40 days for the Holy Spirit power to come. They didn't have to do this, that, and the other thing. The Holy Spirit come on the day of Pentecost, boom, hits them, you know, and they'll be the preach. They'll be healed the sick. Even their shadow will be healed the sick. Yeah, subsequently, they, 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 they have started some some spiritual discipline like fasting and so forth, but those are not for the purpose of getting the Holy Spirit to work for them. The Holy Spirit will never work for you. But anyways, in every move of God, every move of God, genuine move of God, they were never initiated by one person, by one group, by one church. Never. Every single move of God that we know of always have God already orchestrating Millions of people doing different things before it happens. Let's take the Azusa Street Revival that we are celebrating today, the Pentecostal Revival. You know, the Azusa Street Revival, a lot of people know about William Seymour. And many people thought that it is William Seymour that had brought the Azusa Street Revival. That could not be further from the truth, my friends. Do you realize that prior to William Seymour even show up at the scene, God is already orchestrate and mobilizing his church for that moment. You see, before that moment, there was a, a, another move of God called the second work of grace. That's when the Methodists, the Wesleyan, you know, they're preaching about holiness. And the holiness movement, you know, they started to come forth. You know, people all of a sudden, all across the world, people were hungry, absolutely in hunger to be holy, to be righteous. They're not satisfied with just living a normal Christian's life. They had nothing to do with Julian Seymour, but that God God has already orchestrated the move, mobilizing his church. People now who started to pray in groups all across the United States, all across England. You know, there's a move of God started to happen. And you know what happened is that as, as the holiness movement began to move, the second grace began to move, you know, and God started to move his Holy Spirit. And there was this person called Robert Evans. Evan Roberts, I really can never remember. He was, he, was, he was considered to be the lead in what we call the Welsh Revival. And prior to the Pentecost Revival in Azusa Street, there was this Welsh revival that 100,000 people would be gathered, be saved in that little, in, 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 that, in that place, you know, in, in, in Wales. And, and so, and, and God is really starting to move. And there were people from the United States, in fact, in California, that had gone over to, to, to be part of the Welsh revival. And then it would take the message of Welsh revival back. And after that, you know, we hear about the teaching called the third uh, uh, work of grace that is now a person by the name of Charles uh, Parham. He started to teach about 
what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. After holiness, after, after living in holiness, the next step is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Charles found himself was not being filled with the Holy, had not been filled with the Holy Spirit yet when he first started preaching that, you say. And guess what? While he was preaching that, there was this one black man, half blind, because he, he, was, he was hit with uh, chicken pox, and so his eyes was half blind. And, and so, but he was, had such a hunger for God, and he wanted to know about this third work of grace. And, and so he would be sitting and listening. And later on, him and Charles Palmer together, they went preaching together. And there was a lady that was in the audience in one of the services they were conducting, heard about it. So she wrote to William Seymour to come to California, and then the rest of the history. He went over to California, and then God used him. And, and in fact, during the Azusa Street Revival, he wasn't even the first one who spoke in tongue. It was a woman that was the first one who spoke in tongue and later on became his wife. <laughs> you know, So he wasn't even, in fact, he was the third one, I think. It was the third one that was filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongue. But what I'm trying to tell you is this, is that no move of God, no power of God has ever been belonged to just one person, one group, or one church, one denomination. No, no God moves is powerful. He usually mobilizes everyone that would be willing. Are you willing to be that vessels today in this, what we believe, a final move of God that is about to start, uh, uh, take place? Are you willing to be one of those vessels that say, God, use me? I want to have the same experience that the disciple have. And let me go to my next point. The reason you want to have that is because there is a deep compassion in your heart for the world that is broken, for the people that are broken. The only reason why the Holy Spirit wants to fill you is because you have such a compassion to finish the commission that God had commissioned his church. It is not for your personal success, financial success, personal goal, manipulation, none of that. It is for you to have such a compassion. You say, God, I want to fulfill your call. I, I want to do what you call me to do, and I'm willing to. I'm willing to be that vessels, and I don't want to manipulate you. I want you to have full control over my life. I want to be in total surrender to you. Then you're in a position to receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Only when, in, when you're in full surrender. Even if it's a good thing, if it's not a God thing, you're willing to lay it down. That's right. You're willing to lay it down. And that you're willing to wait until God says so. Even if it's a good thing. Even if it's a godly thing. You know, meaning healing the sick, pray for the sick. You know, Jesus, he didn't pray for everyone who was sick. You say, oh, that's not true. He prayed for everybody who comes to him who was sick. Do you remember that he was at the pool of Podesta? And he healed this man who was lame. Do you know the Bible said at the pool of Podesta, there were five colonnades of people. There's a lot of people that were sick waiting for the pool to be stirred. Jesus picked one person and healed that one person. He didn't heal the rest. You say, why not? I don't know. I don't know. That is his will. Even Jesus would tell us he would only do what the Father is doing. He will only do what the Father tells him to do. Do you want to receive the Holy Spirit? You and I need to be at the same place of absolute surrender. No matter what peer pressure we get, no matter what pressure we get, we are willing to say, God, I'm not going to move until you tell me to. That leads me to the final point, is that 
in order for you and I to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, we must be humble. This power that God is making available to us is only available when we are humble. Recall in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul the Apostle said this, God said to him, my strength, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul then responded, therefore, I will boast in my weakness. I will boast in my insults. I will boast in the limitation I have because it is in that weakness that God can use me, in that weakness that his strength, his power can explode in my life. You want the power of God to explode in your life? Then you need to come humbly before the Lord. You need to come to the point where you realize that you are inadequate in anything and everything, even with the gifts and talent that he'd given you, you need to come to the place and say, God, I am inadequate. I am useless without your power. Yes, I believe in positive thinking. I do believe that. And we encourage people to think positively. We encourage people to think, you know, God is amazing and that he had caused them to be amazing. They're special. They are. That's why Jesus died for them. But make no mistakes. This is not the same as boasting your ability, having confidence in yourself, having confidence in your own ability. You want the power of God to move in your life? The sure way is to focus on your inadequacy and lean desperately on this amazing power. And he will make you an amazing champion and general of faith. I hope you have that desire right now, even as I'm speaking. And I want to pray for you before we go, is that starting this moment, you begin to ask the Lord to examine you if there's any area in your life that you have yet yield to God in total surrender, meaning that even if he doesn't do anything, you are okay with it. You know, a lot of people are only willing to surrender if God moves in the direction of the agenda. That's not surrender. That's just tricking God, right? Oh, God, I surrender, but you actually have your own agenda. That's tricking God. That's not surrender. Surrender means, Lord, even if the outcome doesn't turn out to be the way I had expected, I wanted, even if I'm fully, totally disappointed with what, what had happened, I am in absolute surrender and say, God, you have control. Recognizing your weakness, your inability before the Almighty who created the whole universe. Recognize that it is not you who initiate and he facilitates. It is him who initiates, him facilitates, and that he will decide if he wants to use you. I hope you're blessed today by this word, and let me pray for you quickly, and then I'll let you go. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, that you will examine our hearts today. In this, in this season that we're recalling the great Pentecost moment in the book of Acts and also during the Azusa Street Revival, that, Lord, may there is such a compassion so deep in our heart for the broken world that we want to be the vessels to be willing to use by you. And in that same compassion that we have this deep understanding of our inadequacy, and that we're crying out to you to help us, to direct us, to show us how we can be used by you to heal the broken world we're living in, to touch the broken people that are around us. Oh, Father, 
we can do so little. Our words can do so little. We depend on you. We need you to heal this land. We need you to heal our hearts. We need you to use us or whoever you want to use to see that our land be healed, people being brought into your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. 